Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening where we are set to continue our exploration into this topic of Catholic musings from one week to the next. I engage something that hit me from the previous weekend, and typically what this Friday has become is me also engaging some sort of question. And so I will uh, get this evening started by responding to a question You know, over the past few weeks, and really for that matter, months, given the climate here in Chico and the greater state of California, I have been getting asked a lot about the homeless situation. And so what I thought we could do is just for a few brief moments, reflect into this third corporal work of mercy that the church gives us, shelter the homeless. And what I wanted to do, I'm not here this evening to solve all of the homeless problems politically per se, but just offer up a few brief words about maybe our uh, disposition towards the homeless. And and so with that, I want to start by engaging Matthew 25, verse 35, and those all-important words that come from the, the lips of Jesus, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. You know, so often, my friends, we go about our day at work, running errands, going to our son's ball game, whatever it may be, and we meet all sorts of people that we have never seen before, and they are strangers to us. Or maybe we belong to a school community that really isn't much of a community for us because we don't make much of an effort to reach out to them. I mean, how essential is it for us to see those within our circles that we pass every day and for that matter, those individuals we see for the first time, as no longer strangers, but our siblings in Christ that we actually ought to reach out to. Even if it is a simple doctor's visit and you see some folks for the first time, to offer a smile. Here, uh, as one Father Michael Gately once put it, (laughs) we ought to enter into the apostolate of the smile. I wonder if we have forgotten how to smile. Uh, Lord knows, as I was thinking about this before I came on air here, I have been there. So caught up in what I need to do, I forget about who I am and where I am going. But my dear friends, in God's grace, the good Lord reminds me, and hopefully us, to lift up our heads, put an extra pep in someone's step, by simply saying hi to them. In that simple passage from the Gospel of Matthew, Christ is saying to us that I have come that no longer will anyone be your stranger, which, my friends, is really what leads us inside of this great corporal work of mercy of sheltering the homeless. No doubt there are many circumstances that could lead to someone becoming a person without a home. But the only way to find that out is by entering into that overarching truth of 
what it means to be fundamentally Christian, right? To, to enter into that logic of mercy, that logic of love, which is to will the good of other by encountering other, right? Christ encourages us to go out and meet those without homes, affirming their worth, and of course, in any way we can, helping them to seek a resolution to the challenges they face. Now, for some of us, in its technical sense, this work of mercy might be a difficult one because it might not always be prudent to just take anyone in. Although I do believe that we should not just shove this point to the side. We might be called to actually take someone in because God does call us to look at our situations and discern the possibility if we should or should not have someone stay with us. Now, at the very least, there is much we can do in the material form. Among other things, and here I'm thinking about what the bishops have recommended recently, we should see if our local parish or diocese is involved with a local homeless shelter and maybe volunteer some time. We're going to be talking about the gift of time later this, this evening. Maybe donating time or money to organizations that build homes for those who need shelter. You know, many homeless shelters need a lot of things. Warm blankets for their beds. Uh, maybe uh, you're someone who knits or sews. Uh, that could be a special gift of your time. And certainly, if there is anything that has been brought to our attention of late, it is that there are millions of children and families who are on the move, fleeing from war, illness, hunger, and impossible living conditions, searching for peace and safety. And I understand, no doubt, that the political climate abuses this situation to their advantage. But I want to set politics aside here, because when you talk about this third corporal work of mercy, sheltering the homeless, it's first and foremost about working out our salvation in fear and trembling and loving as God loves. What were those words from Matthew 25, 35? I was a stranger and you welcomed me. What does that mean to you? So here again, we are called to engage maybe parish groups of children, youth, young adults, and families, and maybe doing some research on the causes and challenges that these families face to survive. Here we can contact Catholic Social Services, among other outlets, or diocesan offices of peace and justice, it's about seeking ways to get involved in a very concrete way because, again, to that person who we call homeless, no longer should we be calling them stranger. So we seek out ways to get involved in a concrete way locally, regionally, nationally, or even internationally. We discern with intention, putting that question before us, how can I serve? Recalling our Lord's own words, right? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. It's interesting. So many of us want to be first in everything we do in, in the world of competition. Well, <laughs> why not be the first to step forward within our local community and lead that next service project? that might assist in some way, shape, or form those who go without. 
Why not be the first to initiate the next fundraising drive that might help those who have less? We need to be a people of recollection, my friends, hitting the pause button in our life and asking the question, what is it, Lord, you want me doing? As you've heard me say on more than one occasion, not every good is a willed good, and as such, we are to discern how to get involved. When we see the homeless person, we have to ask that question. Who are you to me? All the while, remembering that Jesus is in the poor. Who are you to me? Okay? All right. That being said, out from those few words on what it means to uh, engage the homeless, I want to talk about one of my favorite topics, time. Time. You know, I still recall my Western Civ professor strolling late into class. I think it was, what, 1993 or 1994. I can still hear his words. I just left a meeting in which I found out history books will no longer be using B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, which, of course, in Latin means Year of the Lord, on our timelines. He went on to say, but B.C.E. and C.E., B.C.E. standing for Before Common Era, and C.E. standing for Common Era. He continued, this is in the effort to be more tolerant of those who do not believe in Christ or have Christ as their Savior. My initial question was prompt. How do you reconcile the person of Christ who still intersects our timeline determining BCE and CE? He had no response. My dear friends, history does not spring forth from non-event. The Incarnation was a real event, and and changing B.C. to B.C.E. or A.D. to C.E. does not remove the reality of the Incarnation. So we have a question before us. How does the reality of the Incarnation, and, and how do we think about our time, impact us? Because really this conversation we're having right now is still kind of out there unless we internalize this or personalize this, right? So how does it impact our spiritual life? Well, let us consider. I think first we ought to regard the more classical sense of how we think about time. In principle, there are two Greek words, chronos and kairos. To simply define this, my friends, chronos includes the the minutes we put into our iPads and iPhones regulated by what but the 24-hour days, seven-day weeks and 365-day years, right? Kairos, on the other hand, is the appointed time for the purposes of God, grace time, we can call it. So, the incarnation is Kairos, God's time, entering into Kronos, man's time. Hmm? Thus, how we consider man's time should be seen in light of God's time, that is, Kronos in light of Kairos. But how does one acquire such a vision of seeing? Quite simply, Prayer, fervent prayer, especially the prayer of the Eucharist, the prayer of intimate courtship. You know, I have mused before, so much can be learned from thinking of our relationship with God in prayer analogously to our human relationships. Courtships always entail, my friends, a what but a falling in love, right? 
when one is falling in love, we, we often hear the phrase, time stands still. Have you used that phrase before? Maybe, right? <laughs> a phrase that is really a way of communicating how everything kind of slows down or comes to a stop. As we go deeper in our courtship with God, notably in the Eucharist, and fall more in love with Christ, things will begin to, well, slow down. And we will see things, I would argue, as we ought. Certainly in the Eucharist, the horizontal, the the chronos, and vertical, kairos, beams meet in the most profound way because the reality of the cross, the horizontal and vertical beams, are made present in the Eucharist. That is to say, of course, Christ's sacrifice is represented on the altar. All of this is to say we receive the Eucharist so as to see. What's more, as time begins to stand still for us, we will experience the genesis of our new beginning, the the when, if you will, our iPhones and iPads become subject to Kairos. Here, transposing this into a reflection on the Eucharist, how the sacrifice of the Mass opens us up to Kairos and begins to inform and form Kronos to its best use. You see, my friends, God's time, Kairos, not Kronos, man's time, gives order to our days. And so, coming full circle, (laughs) no matter what acronym we choose to dot our timelines with, this will never change. Jesus is at the center of our timelines, and consequently, we should be making him the center of our lives. And oh, by the way, when we do that, (laughs) we will be all the more disposed to be present to those who we call homeless, to those whom we will no longer call stranger. Amen? Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.